This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to the Media Rumble Sessions. Thank you all. We have fantastic sessions lined up uh, all day. I was especially looking forward to this one uh, because News Laundry's entire reason to come into existence was media critique. Look at the media critically because media critique wasn't a thing in India for the longest time for a variety of reasons. Uh, some good, some not so good. Uh, and this is a media critique in in one sense. <clears throat> Now, in a world where um, media was consumed only by the market which it was serving geographically, pre-digital age, uh, while broadcasters did broadcast overseas, it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now. Uh, the relationship of media with home governments and foreign governments have changed. government's ex- expectations from media has changed and media is now um looked at scrutinized used um misused uh and often you know media also has its uh, has its uh um shortcomings of how it presents various stories so this panel will discuss these issues i will start off with kanchan dada <coughs> who uh his his resume I didn't say another resume the intro that he was also a columnist for news laundry for a while uh, so <laughs> i don't know whether he is proud or embarrassed of it now but uh, he did no you're not <laughs> so uh, kajada i know you often i have uh, had conversations with you i have seen your critique on social media and elsewhere on uh, the foreign press and how it presents india and it is a critique that one sees more and more in india Can you tell me is there an inevitability in how any government will perceive how their country is reported in foreign media is that an inevitable conflict or is it unique to india and the western media uh, i don't think uh, anyway let me begin by thanking you for having me over here uh, right wing thugs are not welcome <laughs> in most places <laughs> and my association with news laundry almost dates back to the time they launched and one of the reasons i am here is i think very highly of abhinandan and news laundry i may not agree with him or his forum. and anything <laughs> <laughs> now coming back to your question i think governments around the world show me one country where the government is not sensitive to what media rights a about the government and b about the country and that sensitivity naturally sort of increases when it is the foreign media commenting on the government and the country there is i i i, I am quite aware of it that there is some amount of hostility that oh government thinks like this about foreign media government thinks like that about foreign media you ain't seen nothing i mean at the time when mrs indira gandhi was prime minister foreign media had really tough times working out of delhi one of the journalists he was frog marched to what was then called delhi airport mm. in the middle of the night and put on the first plane out of the country so we we have traveled a long distance from there 
And definitely today, no such thought ever crosses the government's mind. At the same time, no, when you say that, is it applicable to all governments when it comes to sensitivities? I remember when Manmohan Singh was Prime Minister, either it was Time or Newsweek which lampooned him on the cover. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that is not done. You just don't do it. And, and it was a very cruel lampooning. So, yes, government is sensitive. But government is not prickly about it. Uh, and just 30 seconds more. Sure. Uh, you know, soon after I rejoined government around this time last year, I had taken the INB minister, Anurag Thakur, to the, press, uh, to the Foreign Correspondents Club, FCC. And uh, I, I sort of insisted that, no, you must go meet them, understand where they are coming from, and they should also know where we are coming from. It was a good interaction, and two points were made. A, I think Jerry was also there. Yeah. Uh, two points were made that one, please do whatever your job is and what you think is right. And we will continue to do our job as to what we think is right. Only um, suggestion is that if you are critiquing the government, at least try and reach out to the government to check out what does government have to say on this particular issue. Two, if you have any uh, problems related to your work, let us know, we will resolve it. And the problem which was sort of a common issue over there was about the duration of their visa, the J visa, that uh, they need to continue extending it and it, it is linked, the term is linked to their accreditation, so they have to reapply for accreditation. And that issue was solved within the next one month. Uh, since then, I have personally arranged for several interactions with senior ministers in the government <coughs> and foreign media. We'll come to that later, if you remind me. I will. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for coming and uh, for your kind words, even though we don't agree on anything. But I will say, Kanchanda has been braver than two journalists and one sitting minister who I met at an event recently. And while walking up the stairs, they shook my hand very warmly because we've known each other for a long time. But as soon as he got to the landing where there were photographers, they said, we shouldn't be photographed together. I can't be seen with you. So <laughs> thank you for agreeing to be seen with me. So Jerry, um, now that you have an assurance that you won't be frog marched to the airport, uh, how, how much of the, uh, the government's um, criticism, critique, uh, which can be very healthy as well, the interactions, uh, are of the quality or of the nature that you think are a step forward in media, government relationships, the dynamics, which will be adversarial at some level, 
And if you can share some experience of other countries, in what sense is India unique or not unique? And uh, there was another instance, uh, Dada, of Time magazine making a reference to Atalji's drinking. Uh, and the same evening, I think the Time correspondent was on the flight by Alex Berry, that's right. This is in the late 90s, early 2000s. But yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Sure, thanks uh, Avinandan, and uh, thanks Kanchan as well. Um, you know, w w when I first heard that uh, there would be an opportunity for, uh, uh, for, for you guys to put a, uh, a, a right-wing thug and a, and a secular libtard uh, together on the same stage, I thought, oh, we gotta, we, this is something we gotta do. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. Um, but, but, but truly, I think, um, you know, this is a, it is, it's a great subject to discuss. Um, and what Kanchan said has, um, you know, it's true, and we can talk about that later. Um, I would just say that, you know, as heated as the rhetoric can often be and sort of the noise that you would hear um, on social media, I, there is not a whole lot um, of, I, I, I think, sort of toxicity um, or sort of negative experiences that I actually personally would, would, would say that I have experienced um, in my dealings with the Indian government. Um, when it comes to, I think, you know, reaching out to the government for their perspective, um, they have generally been responsive. Uh, Kanchan here has, as he said, you know, set up interactions that have been helpful in shaping the way that we see the, the perspective of certain government ministries. Um, and, y you know, it's, I, I guess, you know, when it comes to this perennial um, view or, or sense that, you know, the, the, the foreign media is, is hostile, I guess, um, I, I would just say that, you know, it, it's kind of the, 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 the basic um, dynamic and, and the basic posture, I think, of um, Western media in that, you know, generally we will sort of slant towards writing about um, negative news, right? I think that's something that none of us can really deny. That's something that, um, you know, is, you know, as they say, if it bleeds, it leads, right? And, and that's not something that, you know, I would sort of um, reject. And, you know, there, there are also, I think, you know, basic, undeniable ideological differences that most of the, let's say, the, you know, the large uh, sort of influential American newspapers have uh, and what the ruling dispensation in India have. And, and you know, those differences, Kanchan and I have also discussed. But I think at a working level, um, you know, look, I never lived through the emergency, but I have uh, covered China. And I can tell you that it's you know, it is a world apart. Um, as much as India may have fallen in the global sort of press freedom rankings, um, you know, the level of pressure that we get in terms of um, uh, visa restrictions, surveillance when we're out in the field, um, you know, it's both digital and in person, um, and just the, the kind of complete lack of any sort of responsiveness or, or, or visibility into the workings of the government. It's a, it's a completely different level. And um, I, I can objectively say that, um, you know, there are reasonable arguments to be made that India's, perhaps the trajectory isn't going in, 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 in the right way, but I think that, um, you know, it's a, it, let's just say that it could be an order of magnitude, several orders of magnitude.
Sure. Um, of course, uh, I'd like to have the aspiration of the American freedom of speech and press rather than China or Russia. Um, but we have dropped on the, you know, the global rankings of uh, the press freedom index. Now, whether they're credible or not is another conversation I'm sure Kanchan Dada will have a lot to say about. But Rama, one question that you're uniquely poised to answer, and you know, feel free to weigh in on the rest, but this specifically, because you have worked for a foreign publication as well. Anna, you work for a prominent Indian one. Do you have to undergo like a zone shift when you're writing? Because uh, when you are writing for an American publication, there is a certain American gaze to you know the, the, the Indian news and just the kind of news that Jerry said that they will pick up. And when you're writing for an Indian publication, did you consciously feel that, see that, uh, or even try to make any shift in, in, in your reportage or style? Um, definitely a huge cultural shift, and as you say, um, the gaze shifted. Uh, everything is news, of course, here, whereas in the Washington Post when I was there, we had to pick and choose what is news, what would be of interest to American readers. Um, but having said that, the uh, central part of my work at the Post was to explain India to Americans. Uh, and our editor used to say, make sense of uh, India for Washington. They didn't say State Department, but they said Washington. So a lot of it had to do with what is India, capturing the change, what are the conversations, what are the aspirations, anxieties, tensions. So it was a lot of explanatory style of journalism. Um, and in when you wrote, you had to explain from the beginning. So you know, a lot of words and paragraphs used to go into what is India, you know. Um, stuff that Indian readers don't need. So the context, of course, that the three or four paragraphs of context is not needed when you write for Indian media, of course. But having said that, this is a digital era. So what you're writing for that audience is traveling back here. And what you're writing for here, for Indian audience, also travels around the world. So that clear distinction is gone now. Um, when I write or when I edit articles now by my reporters, my um, uh, you know, they come back from their ground reporting. I do bring a lot of things that I learned at the post to my rewrite and to my re-editing um, because I think the nut graph is still very important and that the all-important nut graph which all of us learned about in, um, in American media. I don't think there is enough nut graph in Indian stories and that just irritates me because the nut graph is the so what paragraph of your article. Why should the reader care? What is the big picture here? That's just lacking across Indian media reportage. And, and I, it just irritates me. And I'm always adding that thing. It's not reinventing this is what India is, but this is the moment we are trying to capture in this article. And this is what is um, changing. And this is why you should care. And what is the big picture has to be there in the first introsection and that's something I really insist on and that's something I learned at the post. No, and vis-a-vis -vis the relationship with the government uh, or how the governments would view you, uh, yeah. you know, as, as a print or as a WAPO? So um, I worked at the post for 27 years. So Congress government, Narsim Rao government and two United Fronts government, UPA, Manmohan Singh and Vajpayee and Modi, three years of Modi government. Um, the Previous governments, let me go to UPA government, used to go out of their way to try and help you because they really cared how they were seen in the foreign media, right? And everybody cares. It's not like the Modi government doesn't. But they used to go out of their way to help. 
the three years that I was at the post in the since 2014, um, couple of uh, incidents I'd like to tell you about. Two ministers, and I won't name them, when I went to interview them for a story, you know, you before the minister summons you in, you've got an appointment before the minister summons you in, there's an ante room where you sit and you wait for maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you're sitting with the minister's political secretary or an OSD, and both times, what I saw was this OSD having a dossier of your previously published article, maybe a dozen articles, underlined, highlighted, um, uh, yellow, yellow stick pads, stick notes, and the person is sitting with me, and I'm waiting to meet the minister, and he says both times, Aapka coverage is biased. Hai. You're that very means biased. your coverage is very biased. It's very biased. So I'm not expecting this. So uh, for the, I'm not expecting this conversation. Uh, I said, based on what? Mere paas pura document hai, folder hai. I have the whole folder, and your articles, your bylines are here with me. So I remember saying, like, point out some inaccuracy. There was there anything inaccurate that you that bothered you? No, it goes beyond uh, bias. Goes beyond facts. Now, how then? Your definition of bias and my definition of bias is all different, right? But what it does is this government, from the three years I was there, maybe it has changed now, begins by admonishing you. It is not welcoming, it is not helping, it, is, it begins by that tone of admonishing. You are wrong, you don't get India, and there's a bias. So you're on the defensive. You're struggling to explain yourself, it's, even before you meet the hostile. minister. The minister never ever does. It's the person in the ante room who intimidates you, or who, and they don't intimidate you, it's the wrong word, but they smile and they're telling you the exact same thing. Um, being an Indian, being an Indian citizen in an American newspaper was a whole new game because you became, you were viewed with suspicion, you are a traitor to the Indian cause, as far as not the government, but even the overseas Indians. You are the Uncle Tom, you know, you get that treatment. That's a whole new uh, treatment that you get. So which right. I got a lot from the overseas Indian community and also the Indian government. I, and the print is a different. Print is very different, but I have to say, it's not just this government. When a colleague of mine at the post did the big story uh, towards the end of Manmohan Singh government, calling him the silent tragic PM, it was like big takedown of Manmohan Singh government. The PMO came down so heavily on us and the PMO was literally calling up people who were quoted in the story and asking them to take back their quotes Basically, and the Congress held a whole press conference on that story, just one story. And, um, uh, you know, basically the whole uh, the goal was to discredit the story, uh, to kind of indicate that you've made up the quotes. So there was that problem also. So, so it's not just this government. Yeah, that's, that's there. So uh, I will uh, just, I have actually three issues I want to touch upon. So I would urge everybody to keep the answers short so I don't miss any of those. And we have a packed house, so I know we'll have a lot of questions. Um, Nada, uh, this question is specifically to you, and I have separate ones for, for the other two, and anything else that, of course, you want to add, is that, uh, you know, I notice, see, culturally in India, uh, the press has not been as free as many other countries, and, I mean, for the longest time, I, I don't think, um, I, I mean, I will tell you, I was at a, an event with uh, Swapanda, uh, Swapanda's Gupta, uh, and, and uh, he made an opening address that how, uh, when he was a young journalist, the intimidation that used to happen, how they had to fall in line, it is not new. And I asked him a question from the audience. I said, uh, you buckled, I guess, your generation, not you, your generation buckled. What is your advice 
to the younger generation. Should we do what you did or should we push back? So it was a, you know, I, I, what, I, what I want to hear was that now, because he's on the other side, should we or should we not? I didn't get a clear answer. But the one thing that I, is a theme is that, you know, it was so bad then. Uh, and, and this is, uh, you know, some clarity I want from you that many people, you know, uh, credit Prime Minister earlier for bringing computers to India. Many people credit, you know, the late Sheila Diksh for bringing flyovers to Delhi. Now, I'm not saying they did something bad, but I mean, it was inevitable, wasn't it? I mean, unless we were in North Korea, computers would come here. You can't say Rajiv Gandhi brought computers to India. Similarly, if the trajectory of the world on freedom, on press is going this way, and we are comparing ourselves to Indira Gandhi or Manmohan Singh or Atalji, isn't that just not sensible? You know, in any, whether it's press, computers, yeah, I, roads. I, I get what you're saying. And I don't think, uh, 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 I am a Dehati from Jamshedpur, so my English skills aren't that good. I didn't mean it as a comparison. I just, I just said that all governments, not only in this country, but around the world, are sensitive. Some are prickly. The current government is also sensitive, but not prickly about it. Uh, now, when you talk of the inevitability of the process, with social media so dominant now, uh, it would be absurd to try and control traditional media. So even if you are able to kill a story in a newspaper or a channel, it will find its way on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. And if not any of these, then Insta. And if not Insta, then WhatsApp. So... I don't think uh, there is any uh, concerted effort to manipulate or to or to sort of intimidate. At least I am not aware of it, and uh, I've been around in this particular job for more than a year now, and I don't think I have done it with anybody. You have been intimidated as a journalist uh, to 2012 when you were questioned, right? Yes, yes. I mean, uh, all that has happened. And, you know, since you mentioned, mentioned Swapan, Swapan and I were together at the Statesman. And uh, the kind of... We talk of censorship, intimidation, without understanding how it worked. Uh, we carried a photograph. Sonia Gandhi and Rahul Gandhi had gone to... Mizoram for a holiday after the peace accord was signed. And there were some very good photographs which came out of that visit. They were very nice, warm family photographs and very human. And in one, and Sonia was wearing a t shirt, a crocodile t shirt. Crocodile was the big brand those days. Uh, we carried a I carried a photograph in the section I was looking after. And uh, they just went berserk. Uh, Sharda Prasad called up C.R. Irani and said, what have you done? 
they will they will lock up your delhi office they will they will kill you please do something about it siari rani who never usually panicked called me and said that look we need to do something because i don't understand uh, what was it then sopan and i sort of devised a thing that it ha- it is it it was purely i mean to sort of show the human face of the prime minister and his wife and we had no evil intention now that is the kind and i was so young at that time i think 26 or 27 and imagine how intimidated you would feel if the prime minister's office was calling up and trying to bludgeon you because of some stupid photograph you read then of course the lafra over 66a which you are aware of and uh, i i even lost my first job with the pioneer uh, over this so it's all right it's part of the game now quickly just just some 10 second responses now you know the whole idea of having these ministerial interactions with the foreign media was that people like jerry and others who come in and they are new to this country they they are understandably at a loss they don't know how to connect and the whole idea was to bring them face to face and these are closed room meetings you can speak your heart out it's not reportable and these are small groups because we invite only 20 22 people and the whole idea was that they should be able to connect with the minister directly or his uh, osd directly so that if they are doing a story they don't they don't need to look around whom to get in touch with the sadness of it all is by the time we were doing the third or the fourth round the foreign foreign media stopped attending these in- interactions so they started sending their uh, indian colleagues the local staff now i have i have nothing against the local staff i mean good that they come in and meet ministers but that wasn't the purpose so they they became disdainful i mean i don't need to go and meet hardeep singh puri to understand uh, india's oil uh, imports from russia and yet i shall write and publish that india is funding the ukraine war i mean russia for the ukraine war by buying so much oil from them which is hogwash the numbers which were cited were fictitious and they were not cross checked and not even an effort was made to cross check them and i could i mean i don't know i got my office to specifics prepare a dossier Without, on jerry and rama <laughs> since, since you mentioned dossiers i won't refer to them but here are a set of headlines <laughs> just just headlines i'm not even going into the stories okay and no bylines i'm not I, and jerry will tell you this i mean i'm i'm quite okay with the foreign media i mean i'm quite right. cool with them on right. a one on one basis but i've got a job to do sure now for for instance covid the second phase was terrible it was it was terrible i mean i lost my father and i lost my father very in a, in a very tragic manner he was living in calcutta i was living over here 
travel, there was no travel happening. Uh, and I couldn't even see, see him when he was being taken to hospital. I couldn't see him after he died. And, and I had to telephonically arrange for his cremation by the local municipality staff. It was, for me, a very personally tragic experience. And for millions of people, it was a tragic experience. And that would be equally true for the developed countries. In America, they couldn't keep pace with burying people. They were storing dead bodies in refrigerated meat trucks. Mm -hmm. In Italy, people were dying on pavements. And this is all recorded. Sure. No, the point which I am making, Abhinandan, and it's a very serious point. You violated the dignity of the dead and the dying by printing such horrific photographs. You would not dare climb onto one of those trucks and take photos of those putrefying bodies and print them on your front page. So, on And for you, it is dignity in death. For us, no dignity in death. We want to expose India. Right. What are you exposing? Sure. So, allow me to come in. Just one thing I want to correct you on, Kanchanda, because this was taken up at that time also. I myself used to watch television because that's what I do, watch news all day, uh, which is why my colleagues question my sanity. Um, there were helicopter shots in New Jersey of the burials happening, just like that cremation. No, no, I'm of, talking I've, of close-up shots. I, so I, I, no, 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 no. I will, I will not yield on this point. I'm very clear on my mind. I'm not going to take a judgmental position, oh, you were wrong or right. I'm just saying that this is what they did. Okay. Okay. Now, there, there is an attitude issue. I mean, Jerry says we tend to do negative stories. Uh, your NPR correspondent in Mumbai, she sees a WhatsApp video or some YouTube video of garbage along uh, railway tracks in San Francisco, where I'm told people now, o ODF, or whatever it is called, open, open it is now fashionable over there. Uh, she saw some photograph, and she, she puts out a tweet, I thought it was India. Sure, that's insensitive. No, it's not and, insensitive. And offensive. It is, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is something which comes from within. Yeah, but these are specifics. Uh, you know, I, no, no, I, I'd but, like to I talk know, about... Ultimately, it's all about specifics. At an institution... I mean, the headlines which I, which I showed you, they are, they are about specifics. Yeah, I'd just like to move on, Dada. Uh, Jerry, the specific question to you is this whole thing of... And, and uh, Dada, things haven't changed. You, you would be happy to know. I, I don't know how many hours you were questioned for. I was questioned for 13 plus 8 a total of uh, whatever that's 21 hours so, so <laughs> how do you know did they come and tell you <laughs> but yes they couldn't believe that i have no real estate they said you don't have real estate i said no i said does everybody make a lot of money to buy real estate anyway so that 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 hasn't changed and i welcome more raids i'm a sparkling conversationalist so uh, any other IT officers are welcome to my office uh, jerry uh, you know the specific instance i mentioned and is it different than any other country? The Iraq war. Uh, you know, Judith Miller famously, the New York Times, which is so touted for its credibility, endorsed the weapons of mass destruction theory. And at that time, was it the same kind of pressure that any government would not put actively on its media, but 
it's just in the air that even the New York Times, which one would assume would be anti-establishment, uh, and that the Bush establishment endorsed the WMD theory, which turned out to be fake. Uh, did the Times take a hit on its credibility? How severe was the hit? And again, is that inevitable for any government, uh, for any news organization that is in the geography of a government when things become national versus anti-national? Very few would actually go against the current. Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I think um, certainly the Times took a took a serious hit um, in the, the WMD episode. And I think it sort of speaks to the dynamics between reporters and um, their sources. Um, and I, I, I would say that, you know, for example, um, it, there are certain beats, um, for example, let's say, and I'm just making a general sort of observation about American media. Let's say in, in terms of local news or crime reporting or sort of local government reporting um, or even national government reporting in which you do see a kind of antagonistic confrontational relationship between the, 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 the media organizations and the government. Often when it comes to foreign policy or international affairs, that dynamic can, I, in my personal sort of observation, it can flip. Simply because, let's say, when you are the, the, the beat reporter for the, the, the White House, you're covering the National Security Council, or you're covering the Pentagon, or you're covering the State Department, your sources that you sort of talk to day in, day out, who you get the sort of the preponderance of information from, are pushing a certain line, and I think that tends to certainly sort of shade and tilt um, your coverage. Um, and it's a and, and and you know, do I have a solution to that? I mean, you know, other than saying that it, it's you know, I guess um, you know, obviously uh, every reporter's duty to be to be skeptical and push back. But I think some of those kind of ingrained dynamics and those source relationships can be very difficult to, 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 to break. And you know, arguably the same thing happens in, um, you know, let's say corporate journalism where you, know, you cover a company for so long that you sort of almost start to kind of take on their point of view. Um, and, and so you know, from that perspective, if you were to look at say, um, uh, you know, let, let, let's say that the US and India were at loggerheads over, um, some sort of foreign policy issue would most American newspapers, you know, because of this dynamic that I described, kind of naturally tend to take the side of of the U.S. government. Um, you know, unfortunately, probably yes. Okay, um, uh, Rama, to the same question of towing the line of the government, do you think that's changing when even politicians, uh, where political considerations. Uh, uh, and across the world, and I will, you know, take the example of the former president Donald Trump, uh, where um, depending on what media you see, uh, if, if you're watching CNN or, or the liberal media, it's like he is telling the Russians, "Come on, interfere in the election." You know, in that famous speech of his, uh, where he say, "I hope you're watching. Where are Hillary's mails? <laughs> I hope you're watching," uh, and and other such. Or when he says that, you know, uh, Putin is behaving like a strong man. That's how we should be. Uh, Whereas once, you know, side of the media says that is against American interests. So do you think even what is seen as national interest now 
has become so polarized that, uh, you know, like uh, Kanjanada said, no matter what your political uh, alignment or affiliations, if the Indian Prime Minister was insulted, you know, most Indian journalists, irrespective, would say that's just not done. But now it really is so polarized that it depends on what side you're on. And accordingly, the media can just go completely the other way. Um, about insulting Indian Prime Minister, I'll go back to the ex uh, example I gave because many people cheered when Manmohan Singh article came out in the post. Many people in India, many politicians, they shared it very happily, cheerfully. And the same thing happens now. There's a group that will uh, share negative FT, WSJ articles about India, Economist articles about India, cheerfully in certain WhatsApp groups. And the other WhatsApp groups will be sharing the Time Magazine, influential readers of the world, Modi included, Modi featured kind of articles. So. Yeah, of course, um, the politics is polarized, so society is polarized, media is also polarized, right? But having said that, much of what we see, um, you know, in the, in the world of media today, India and around the world, it, you've had some 40, 50 years of a certain kind of political systems, international order, right? So you can say these, this media was forged in that. And now around the world, not just politics and political systems, but social systems, uh, a lot of conversations that are changing around the world. India is not unique. Is the media which is forged in the earlier ecosystem, and I'm not, and I'm not using the word ecosystem in a negative way that people in this government do, but it, you know, the liberal democracy, um, you know, diversity and um, you know, um, inclusion, those kinds of values. The media around the world is kind of finding it difficult to adjust to a new one. And so it brings the earlier lens, the critique, to every new government. The same thing happened in the US, right? And the same thing is happening here. The same thing happened with Boris Johnson. So the, the lens of the media remains the old uh, ways of looking at society and looking at um, uh, progress. But the, the conversations and the political conversations around the world have changed. So they are at conflict right now. So should, does this mean the media has to change? No. Does this mean the media has to constantly be in a negative, like I will question you, I will critique you? No, it, that's not the job. Of the, the, the job of the media is not to bring down governments. The job is, of the media is not regime change, is not to undo the verdict of the people. But the job of the media is to make sense of what's going on, explain to the readers, explain to the readers where we are today, how we got here, where are we going next, right? Are we in the business of regime change? No, that's for the US Marines. So uh, <laughs> it's not the job of the media. So yes, it will look like we're in, an uh, uh, you know, in, a, in uh, a hostile relationship, but it's also a lot of it is changing. Even in the media, there are lots of journalists who are different now, who, who bring different lenses. And I think the old lenses in some situations have gotten lazy also, which are also being questioned in many newsrooms, even in, in India, I'm noticing. So, you know, the old ways of editors thinking some new journalists will come and will say, no, that's not the only way to look at it. There are other ways of looking at it. Some are problematic, some are not. But this conversation is important and it's happening in the newsroom, it's happening in town square, in the, pub, in the political arena, everywhere. Now, how the Western media covers India is one issue, but is there also a concern of how Indian media covers India or the West? Uh, 
uh, I had the t on my uh, you know research paper which I've left in the room, but there was this one uh, a news uh, channel, and I don't know if my colleagues are here, uh, who the recent deaths that happened in Gambia, 69 children died consuming that cough syrup. Uh, there was an Indian news channel that said there's a conspiracy against India because everything is a conspiracy against India because the expectation is that they will tow the government line. Does anyone remember what channel that was? I think Yusra put together that document for me. India News of the Talk. Thank you, thank you. See, I would know nothing without a wonderful team. Now, I, I was blown away by just how not only idiotic that is, but how insensitive that is, that Gambia would kill 1,600 of the children to show Indian small pharmaceutical company in a bad light. That's just one case. Does this worry the government that our over-enthusiastic and kind of lunatic fringe media will cause problems for the government because the next day, Jay Shankar, you know, expressed condolences, but I'm sure that embassies are watching what Indian media are doing, and much of this media is funded by government ads. Are you also concerned about them going too far and creating problems for you? Uh, I'm happy to inform you uh, that this government has drastically cut down on spending via ads. So if you if you are going to pin that on this government, no, it won't I'm just work. saying. I'm, uh, because up saying. maybe, but possibly not <laughs> not this government. Um, I I agree with you that uh, in a very limited sense. You see, the problem is that, and I and I say this without any rancor because I think editors have failed more than anybody else. Uh, people increasingly on live channel, they talk rot. Yeah, an understatement. I mean, because they have, there has to be a constant chatter. Mm -hmm. The helicopter hasn't landed, but you know, you know what a helicopter is. It flies and it has whatever. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But that's benign rot. No, no. But I'm talking is, about toxic rot. No, 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 no. You you think it's toxic, but I don't pin it down to some great conspiracy behind putting out this. I don't think the newsroom decided that uh, we are going to say this. Uh, it's, it's wrong, I mean, in the sense that any Indian company that to a pharma company, uh, whether you are pro producing only for export or for uh, domestic consumption, uh, you have to follow the laid down standards and guidelines and which we have uh, if what is what if what who has claimed is true because it needs to be uh, investigated it's a shameful thing to have happened and that besmirches the image of india as of as as the pharmacy of the world so let's get out of it now, I don't really want to get into, because this was more about how government looks at foreign media. You know, someone someone mentioned you don't get India. I think, Rama, you said that someone told you you don't get India. Uh, and sometimes I wonder, and, and Jerry, no offense on this, I really wonder whether people who come in for two years, three years, whether they actually get India, 
Well, Kanchana, I wonder and, and, if and, Indians and, get India. No. I mean, I, I, I attended a Northeast session yesterday, uh, and we had fantastic speakers from the Northeast. And no, that's changing. That's changing you know, and the, very the, rapidly. The, the, I mean, I, I, I think the, the whole imposition of Hindi in the South states, I don't think the North leaders get Tamil Nadu or Kerala or Karnataka. So we, we don't not, get each we, other. We are so not talking not language politics no, but over I'm just here. saying getting India is a... No, is by getting way. India, I mean that there is more to India than uh, <coughs> what the political analysts at uh, embassies and high commissions whisper into your ears. Uh, I hope none of them is here. No, they give me countdown. So if you could quickly wind up, I want to get questions because otherwise and, I'll and, be... And, and a very quick point. I, I really wish they would get out of this mindset that if it's a story out of India, it has to be a negative story. Right. I don't think... I don't think, I think readers around the world are tired of reading unhappy, contrived, unhappy, negative stories. These are not genuine negative stories. These are stories which are contrived. You determine that today I shall file a story and the story shall say that uh, the dark continent. Now that will be the headline. Now I will start building it up bottom bottom up so, so it doesn't you know so okay i'm going to open this out although i will say that uh, even we are asked this all the time if i wanted to make happy stories i would have joined karan johar and and made cinema i think news is about putting the dark side but i have just one quick question i'm so sorry i know you have a lot of questions and you just think about this i want quick answers once the questions are done there was a story a while ago about this indian who was arrested in pakistan he was arrested in pakistan but he was i think arrested in afghanistan taken to pakistan they said he's a spy. Uh, India said he's not a spy. All sorts of conspiracy theories were happening, but no one could do a story on it because no one had complete evidence. But we had a hypothetical discussion in office that let's say some Indian news organization does find out evidence that he was indeed a spy and not just a businessman. Carrying that story, would that be appropriate? And for any country. So just think about it. Would you carry that story? The Indian government is saying he's not a spy. Um, the Pakistan government saying he is a spy for any country. If that happened, um, what what would the appropriate newsworthy response to that be as editors? Think about that. Just I, I want carry, not carry, carry, not carry is the only answer I want. But before that, questions. I again repeat, uh, like I do here, keep your questions short and to the point. I am brutal in my interruptions if it goes into a lecture, so please avoid that. Let's keep this pleasant and nice, like a Karan Johar film. So let's start this young man here. Hello everyone. So uh, basically what I wanted to ask is whenever I see any news channels or even in Instagram and see our foreign ministry locking on to the West and they are giving it back to them, you know, and me being working in a US company, uh, I fear the backlash and, you know, I understand there might be something paid, you know, uh, when, while our media is showing that we have, you know, all those master strokes that we are taking, but uh, from the US, from their perspective, is there something, you know, uh, since we do not have a U.S. ambassador here from the last two years, so is there something going on behind? The, maybe if you can shed some light on that. I don't think anyone here has any clue what's going on behind the scenes. We are just news people, man. We we, we ain't to the CIA or the spies or with the Indian raw. They won't recruit people like us. So uh, another question: If you have a question that this panel is equipped to actually answer, this young boy here, right here. 
this is Adhyatma here, and I'm from the Vips University. And uh, my question is to especially Jerry. Um, the question is that it's not typically related to the topic that we are having the conversation on, but uh, I want to know the viewpoint on your Julian Assange as a journalist. And we have an Australian editor who is being, I mean, like, he is struggling to be uh, evacuated to the U United States. So I want to have your viewpoint. I mean, like, what would you write as a story? Is, is Julian Assange a journalist or not? That's one, yeah, that discussion I've had. So is, is he a journalist in your view? That data dump, was that journalism? Um, I, my personal view is that I think that there needs to be um, an additional level of, I guess, sort of verification, filtering, putting things into context. And I think simply just dumping a large cache of leaked documents isn't, the sort of wouldn't meet that bar. And I think that the way that sort of Snowden did it um, seems to make more sense, right? Say, look, we have this massive cache, but we want people who can look at it, analyze it objectively. And, um, you know, the ultimate result may be the same, right? But having sort of passing through that additional filter, I think is, is actually an incredibly, is, is maybe arguably the most important uh, step in the entire process. All right, that young man with the gray beard. Hi, a question uh, is media ownership, whether American or Indian, uh, sort of, uh, you know, that dictates what kind of coverage uh, might come out of a second country? Hmm. Um, would anyone agree that? Would, would media ownership dictate the kind of coverage? No, I, I personally don't think so. Uh, I know. You know, it could, for instance, one could say that uh, the owner of Amazon, who also happens to be the owner of Washington Post, and therefore he influences. Uh, I wouldn't uh, want to comment on that because uh, one would then have to really look at very closely uh, the, the, the business reports out of India, which Washington Post carries and... Uh, whatever the stated objectives of the owner of Amazon is. Uh, so I, I, I have no quick, ready answer right. to that. Either of you, do you have a take on that? Does it influence ownership at all? Um, um, not in my experience, no. Um, yeah, as, as Kanchan alluded to, Jeff Bezos is our uh, owner. Um, I've certainly never had the sense that he um, plays a role in the newsroom. And from what I can tell, you know, we have covered things that are um, sort of unfavorable to his interests, whether it's about sort of Amazon's labor practices, it's unionization efforts in the US and, and, and things like that. Just one comment I have, uh, Dada, is uh, if we go by the rules of the land, it's, if, if, if that is the standard to be applied to WAPO, then that should be the standard that Indian media follow. And if Indian media don't follow that standard, then you know, you can't expect the foreign media to follow that and then, standard. Then I, I, as I said, we are talking about government's view of foreign media. Right. If, I, if you had a session on Indian media, right. this is the point I would have made. Equally shameful was the coverage by a certain Excellent. tin canister journalist. Hmm. Right. We, so we shall not leave yeah, it at that. Okay, fine. Now, uh, thank you so much for all of you for coming. Do you have anything to add before I wind up with the rest? Because we are way out of time and it's Jerry. Uh, just very quickly, I mean, I, I actually think that, you know, Kanchan. It does make a legitimate point. I mean, this is a conversation that's happening in the world media. Just last week, you know, with what happened um, with the shooting in Thailand, I, I, there was an incident where I think it was the Foreign Correspondents Club of Bangkok, actually, that was headed by 
um, like a Westerner, I think for the BBC, if, I'm, if, I, if I recall correctly, they issued a statement criticizing CNN for basically like running be beyond mm. the, the police lines to get like close up shots of like, you know, blood stained walls and, and this stuff. And they basically chastised them saying, would you have done that um, if the, you were back in the US? Um, and, and so that I think is a, um, it, you know, it's a legitimate debate to have. Um, one thing quickly I want to say is, you know, I, I, I would just hope that at the same time, you know, these sort of deep grained, you know, sort of biases may exist, but at the same time, I, I, I would urge, you know, I guess people to engage with the foreign media in good faith. Um, you know, speaking as, uh, you know, somebody who is in my position, I don't think that, you know, any of us um, are here intentionally to write about open defecation. I think, you know, we all recognize, look, I don't want to do any stories about the cows and monkeys of Delhi. I think we are well past that point um, in how the world and how its Western media looks at India. We're going to scrutinize India as a rising world power. And you know, you may see less of the, the stories about the, the cows and the monkeys, but you're gonna see a lot more, I think, hard hitting and serious sort of scrutiny of India's role and its responsibilities on the world stage. Um, so yeah, stay tuned. But thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Kanchanda. Always a pleasure having you. Thanks, Jerry. And thanks, Rama. And the young man there, I have an answer to your question. Media ownership does not determine uh, coverage as much as the revenue model. And the revenue model that works is when you pay to keep news free. And whenever I have a captive audience, I always say <laughs> that news laundry does not depend on advertisers. We depend on you because we say when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. Pay to keep news free, okay? So that's the model. Thank you all. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Oh,